0: What up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's Mr. Everything, Ryan Clark, RC, my brother. We are going to recap UFC 288. We hear from Michael Chandler as he prepares himself to fight Conor McGregor. And as always, we tap in or we tap out. But, Ryan, man, y'all dropped a big interview today. That was one. I don't get jealous. I don't really get jealous, but today was one that your boy get a little jealous about. How was it, bro? How was it interviewing The Rock?
1: That's crazy. I mean, listen, I told him, you know, I've only seen one other physique like his in person, and that was you, DC. So I made sure that he knew he still had some things... Uh to do in the weight room. He needed to hit a little more <laughs> cardio, cut the carbs a little Ooh. bit if he wanted to look like you, my dog. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm saying? You
0: see what I'm saying, bro? You know what? I, you know what, bro? That's why I love you. You see what I'm saying? Because like when you look at me, you see the rock. It's like I look in the mirror and I see like, what's that boy name used to play on the young and the wrestler, Shamar or whatever his name was Shamar Moore? <laughs> sure. I'm looking Shamar at myself. Moore. I look like Shamar Moore. I'm looking like everybody, that. all the best. I'm t- every, when I look in the mirror. I'm the most beautiful man in the world, and I love that you view me in the same way. Like, I look like The Rock to you, you know what I'm saying? That's why you're my guy right there, RC. RC, last weekend, I was in Newark, New Jersey for UFC 288. Al Sterling fought Henry Cejudo, and Henry Cejudo was the favorite, as has become the case with Al Sterling, a guy that is always underrated. He goes out there, and he gets the job done. But there's some, like some some not everybody's not on the same page in regards to the decision because verdict MMA which is one of those uh, they score fights scored the fight for Henry Cejudo but 90 of nine, 90 of 100 media members scored the fight for Aljamain Sterling but when you look at the verdict scorecard they're saying that Henry Cejudo won the fight barely but the media scored it for Aljo I had the fight for Aljo I had him up 3-2. I had him winning round one. I had him round three and round four. How did you look at the fight? And, bruh, when can Al Jermaine Sterling finally get his respect from not only the world, but from
1: the fans? You know what's crazy about Al Joe and respect? I feel like all of it went away, and he's been playing from a deficit since the illegal knee from Piotr Jan because he was being dominated in that fight and – Piotr was on the way to really, I think, putting a stamp on what the fight between he and Al Sterling was. And then knee comes and then Aljo, who was visibly injured by the illegal knee, parties the night away. But then he comes back and he dominates Piotr Jan, takes his back in two or three of, of the rounds. He, he he batters him on the ground. He, he wins that fight and he wins that fight. Going away, you come back and you defend against TJ Dillashaw. And I'm not mad that Henry Cejudo was the favorite. When you think about Olympic gold medalist, a guy who was a two-division champ, it's okay to have those high per, uh, perceptions of Henry Cejudo coming into this fight. I felt like Aljo won the fight 3-2. I think the, the, the swing round was probably uh, the fourth round. If you look at this fight, but it was extremely close. A split decision is something that's acceptable. And now Sterling is the winner. I still believe that people won't give him his just due until he goes on these long title reigns. Like we've seen the John Jones and the Daniel Cormiers and some of these guys, the George St. Pierre's that had to beat that that beat so many people until it was kind of undeniable who they were.
0: You know what's crazy, RC? I think that we should give him more credit for what he has done because the title reign started in such bad circumstances with the illegal knee from Piotr Jan. Because, bro, if he loses that fight as he was starting to, then it's over for Aljamain Sterling. He's back to the drawing board to try to work his way back to another championship opportunity. All he has done with taking that belt under those circumstances is get the longest Bantamweight title reign in the history of the UFC. He has defended about three times now. Nobody else has ever done that. He has the longest win streak in Bantamweight history now. He's won nine fights in a row. This kid has done things that have never been seen in a division that has been home to Hinnon Barral, Dominic Cruz, um, TJ Dillashaw, Jose Aldo. All these great fighters have lived in the Bantamweight division and none of them have done what Al Jermaine Sterling has done. He had And he did it after getting need illegally to become the champion, dealing with all the negativity that went into that. Remember the neck surgery he had when he became yeah. the champion? Everybody's like, this dude's trying not to fight Piotr Jan again because he's afraid. He goes out there and he beats him. Then he beats the next guy, TJ Dillashaw. Then he beats Henry Cejudo, who was very well prepared and ready to win that championship. He should garner more respect. But it doesn't seem to be working for him because Newark, New Jersey – is next or as close to home as Aljamain Sterling can be, unless he's fighting in the Garden. The decision gets read. Aljo's on the mic. They are booing him. In the middle of the fight, you hear the crowd going, "Henry, Henry, Henry." DC, he's but DC, at home.
1: but DC, he's stuck in this. He's stuck in this weird place where superstardom is not attainable. Like he doesn't, you know, he he has the flat top and he has the chains. But yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have the cool that Izzy has, right? He mm. doesn't necessarily mm. have the 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 swag and the 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 kind of smoothness that Kamaru started to have. And so he's kind of stuck in between that place. And then he doesn't really have a fighting style that you go, this is recognizably great, right? When you when you watch Sean O'Malley, who in no way has done or has the resume that Jermaine Sterling has but he throws hands bro and he drops folks and he drops mm-hmm. bombs and and people love that and then you saw him against Piotr Jan in a dog fight and he fought that fight standing on his feet in front of a man and and people like The UFC and MMA is about wrestling. Wrestling is the greatest skill (laughs) and greatest tool in the history of mixed martial arts. But the dudes who we fall in love with, probably outside of the Dagestanians, they don't wrestle like that. You see what I'm saying? Like, you were a wrestler, D.C., but when you got to the UFC, you was head kicking folks, you was elbowing folks, you was punching folks down. And then if you mm-hmm. got in there with Rumble Johnson or you got in there with a dude with with with, with the black beast, you said, okay, I probably don't need to stand with these yeah, dudes. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, use yeah. the wrestling. Algernon yeah. Sterling is caught there, if you can kind of understand what I'm saying.
0: No, I do. I, I I get what you're saying. Like, I get what you're saying. Like you said he doesn't have the cool. And I'll be honest with you, RC, and this is something that um I got a group with all my friends and my my family from back in Lafayette. And for all the things that Aljo does for, like, the black culture in regards to his look, right, the way he dressed... Aljo dresses with, like, a bit of an urban flair to it. He got the necklace. Man, the last dude we saw rocking a big gold necklace was Rakim with a flat top. Yeah, And everybody yeah. loves Rakim, right? We all love Rakim. Yeah. We all welcome him with open arms. But Aljo hasn't resonated with those people quite yet. Look at Aljo. Aljo looked like a dude that might walk into an NBA basketball game or a football game. Aljo's the man in that regard. It's just something hasn't kind of caught on with my man yet. But if he keeps winning, it'll become undeniable. Dude, Aljo even got the gold grill on the bottom. Like he yeah. he really does kind of speak to the culture. But it's like for some reason people aren't drawn to him yet, but I'm telling you, Ryan, it feels like he's getting closer. And I know it may not it it may not have seemed that way the other day, but it feels like it he's one performance away from completely breaking out and that performance may be in Sugar Sean O'Malley, the guy that he's going to fight next. Because at times, it's not so much about who you are and what you have done, opposed to who you are doing it against. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need that guy to elevate you. I feel like my profile was elevated with Jones. I feel that Stipe's profile was elevated when he fought me. We all kind of rise and lift each other up, and I believe that this guy right here, Sean O'Malley, if Aljo can get through Sean, will elevate Aljo to a point where it's undeniable because for as good as Khabib was, he wasn't the Habib we know today with 30 million Instagram followers until he beat Conor McGregor.
1: Yep, and this is going to be the same thing, and we got to listen to Sean O'Malley talk to Megan O'Leavy just about the very thing you're speaking of.
2: They weren't even fighting for the belt tonight. They were were fighting for the chance to get to fight me. Obviously, the champions get pay-per-view money. Uh, they could really give a crap less about that belt. That fight tonight was to see who gets to fight me. I was the belt tonight, and Aljo got a gifted decision. Do you take anything from that interaction that you two had? I think, uh, you know, Aljo may be excited right now, ready to go, but a couple weeks he might be like, I'm, I got to get back into camp. I can't get that weight too high, uh, so we'll see.
0: So, Ryan, like, that's the thing, right? Two things stood out to me in that interaction. First off, Sean O'Malley seems very confident going into the fight with Aljamain Sterling, and why wouldn't he be when he has not been really tested in that way outside of P.O. Two things stood out, though. One, Sean O'Malley looked huge. Aljamain yes. Sterling is one of the biggest guys in that <laughs> weight class. He's one of the Way tallest bigger guys. than him. <laughs> but maybe that's because he wasn't making weight, right? Aljo was in a fight, so he's a little slimmer than he normally is. But Sean O'Malley looked huge. Secondly... And this one is is what's most important to me. He kept saying you're going to fight much sooner than you think you are. Like, what is Sean O'Malley alluding to? What does he know that Aljo may not even know yet? He's telling him he's going to be cutting the weight right now because they're going to fight again. I mean, are they going to try to turn Aljamain Sterling around in three months, four months to make him fight Sean O'Malley?
1: DC, we haven't seen Sean O'Malley back inside the octagon since he fought Piotr Jan. And and that's Mm -hmm. been a while. And so now if you're going to wait, make him wait months and months and months to get back in, this is one of the UFC's biggest stars who has been stagnant for a long period of time. And you know Dana White and the UFC understand how to make the money fight. This is now the exciting fight. This is now the fight people are waiting on. And it's so crazy to me because you can tell Sean O'Malley thought that fighting Henry Cejudo was a total matchup. Maybe he thought he was too long for. Maybe he thought he was too yep. young, too quick, or whatever it was. There was a difference in the way he looked at Al Sterling. But it almost felt like because he believes Henry Cejudo beat Al that he was thinking to himself, hold on, maybe this dude isn't as good as I thought he was. Maybe mm. this dude isn't the guy that beat TJ Dillashaw, that beat Corey Sanhagen, that beat Piotr Jan. Like, we're naming off the dudes to fight in this weight class, and Al Sterling's beat them, and Sean O'Malley seems 100% sure that he can beat Al Sterling. I think when you look at this fight, the true, true test is going to be how often... Can he defend takedowns? And can you keep Al Jermaine Sterling off of your back without getting that body lock? We watched Henry Cejudo be (laughs) able to do that, but he's a stinking gold medalist in wrestling. Sean O'Malley's not. (laughs) And everybody's saying, oh, he can grapple better than you think he can. He's a better wrestler. Yeah, but you ain't Henry Cejudo. And Henry Cejudo Mm -hmm. is kind of the only guy we've seen be able to do that. But this fight is exciting. This is the fight that needs to be made. And I would hope that Marab wears the Michael Jackson jacket to be no. in Joe's corner because it might have been no. the best part of the night.
0: Doug, you saw Marab. Marab (laughs) Diwalashvili is literally the funnest human being on the planet. Look at him in the back right there. He got got this man jacket on, bro. It's crazy because you watch Marab and he seems to be having fun. But this dude's an absolute killer. This dude has the second longest win streak in the division outside of Aljamain Sterling. And if not for Aljo, Marab would be fighting for the championship. But when you talk about Sean O'Malley and Aljamain Sterling, I feel like now Aljamain has the guy that can elevate him to the next level. I am by no means saying that I think Aljo's going to beat Sean O'Malley, but just the promotion and being next to him is uh, going to elevate his profile because of the new eyes that Sean O'Malley brings in to mixed martial arts in regards to the fan base Aljo will be fighting in front of. But when we speak about Marab Diwalashvili, you're talking about a guy that has long win streak like Aljamain, just beat Piotr Yan, the former champion, He's out there and he goes, I'll fight anybody. Henry Cejudo says, It's far from over. I thought Henry was going to walk away. Marab goes, Let's go then. I'll take Aljo's leftovers for now. This guy is good. But it seems like now Marab is going to go back into something even bigger than he may have imagined. Because I'll tell you from something that I know from the inside, Ryan, they were working very difficult, very hard to make Marab versus Umar. So, the, the the fact that that's not happening, and now it'll be Henry Cejudo, or It would seem to be Henry Cejudo. What does that do for Marab DeWalt And is that booking the division into a corner because Marab wins, he still ain't fighting now, Joe.
1: But I think I think that's what you have to kind of do with Marab right now is make the most exciting fight, make a make a fight that elevates his profile because your thought is. At least the thought would be to me is if Sean O'Malley beats Aljamain Sterling and there is no immediate rematch, Marab would be the next guy up if he does win. And when you look at the top five of this division, we've seen Corey in that position. We've seen Piotr Jan in that position. Henry Cejudo just loses. It's just one and two. That we're trying to figure out. And Marab continues to say that he is not fighting Al Jermaine Sterling. And so this is where we are. You don't push if Henry Cejudo wants to fight DC, you don't push him down to the bottom of the top 10. You're totally wasting him. Give him this fight against Marab. What was it? The last time we saw Marab, he attempted 48, 49 takedowns. Yeah, crazy. Something crazy. just out of pocket to even think of trying. And so You put him in there with Henry Cejudo, who's one of the best wrestlers or one of the greatest wrestlers to ever become a mixed martial artist, if not the greatest of all time. And you see what that fight does. You see how much you can get people excited about that fight. And maybe you put it on the exact same card as Al Jermaine Sterling, Sean O'Malley. And it's kind of the top of the entire Bantamweight uh, division. But when... You mentioned these two names, and I think kind of the fire that Henry seems to spark in people, this only seems to make a even better fight card for the championship bout.
0: Yeah, and you know, Henry has uh, August 19th targeted as the day he wants to fight. That would be uh, 15 years, I believe, on the day of him winning the Olympic gold medal. So it would seem... That everybody kind of has their eyes set on August 19th in Boston for Al Jermaine Sterling's next title defense. But when you look at those bantamweight rankings that you just popped up on the screen, Henry Cejudo's in there somewhere. And he, I, I didn't, I didn't catch it. Right, it flashed before I saw it. But Henry Cejudo has to be in there somewhere. Where's he at, guys? Three. He's third. So Henry's in their third right now. So it makes all the sense in the world because if he gets through Marab, maybe he earns another championship fight. It does suck, though, for guys like Corey Sanhagen, who looks so good against uh, Chito, uh, Vera. Chito Vera yeah. in San Antonio. Now, Ryan, that wasn't the only fight card that had title implications on Saturday night. Malol Muhammad fought Gilbert Burns to try to earn a shot at the champion, Leon Edwards, who, by the way, isn't that guy that is a massive star yet, but at home, he got a hero's welcome. But if he gets the winner of Bilal versus Gilbert at a later date, because obviously we know he's fighting Kobe Covington first, Bilal Muhammad goes out there and dominates. Gilbert Burns hurts himself in the very first round. But it doesn't take away from what Bilal Muhammad did. Bilal Muhammad dominated that fight. And honestly, RC, before Gilbert hurt himself, Bilal was winning anyway. How impressed were you with Bilal Muhammad, especially being that he took the fight on short notice, went five rounds to one of the best welterweights in the world, and won a very handy decision?
1: Yeah, I thought Bilal was strong. You you mentioned how thick Bilal Muhammad's trunk was a few times throughout that fight. And, you know, Gilbert had trouble taking him down. The one takedown we saw early on in the fight seemed to be where Gilbert injured his left shoulder, and so when you think about the head kicks, the way he continued to pound that right arm, as you and Joe mentioned throughout the fight, also how he moved, I thought he just moved seamlessly in and out of orthodox fighting stances to southpaw, always kept Gilbert Burns guessing. It was just such, to me, a clean game plan and just excellent execution. My My only issue would be the top of this weight class got so exciting for a little bit. Kamaru was coming into his own and he became a star. Kobe Covington took the role of the heel and made it exciting. And then we saw the emergence of Jorge Masvidal who was a lifetime journeyman, but he continued, he began to put his name at the top of at least everybody's title contention because of who he was. Bilal Muhammad took this fight because I don't believe he had ever gotten sexy enough to be mentioned in that championship title contention, but he is now. When you beat a guy like Gilbert Burns, who was having a phenomenal 2023, who was stepping up to the plate of any and every challenge, and you beat him this handily, there's nothing else the UFC can deny you that next title shot. And I believe that's why he took it. I believe he executed it. His game planned in a phenomenal manner, and we'll see him fight the winner of Leon and Kobe. I mean, the 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 difficult part for me, DC, is like now, what is Russell Westbrook? I mean, she she. I'm sorry. What is Gilbert Burns? Don't do that. What is Gilbert Burns? Don't Uber do that. Don't do that. What
0: what dog? What you mean? Don't do that, bro. Don't I'm do just that. talking about see?
1: DC's keys to victory: close the distance, secure takedowns, and don't be Russell Westbrook. Because apparently, being this generation's triple-double king, being a former MVP, being a guy that led a team to an NBA Finals only to lose to the big three in Miami, apparently now that's a thing to be frowned upon, and you don't want to be that. Whatever that is, whatever first ballot Hall of Fame in basketball is... Oh, that's God. what you don't want to be. Okay. Correct, DC? I'm just asking. Okay.
0: Okay. You see, so that's the problem, right? Because, oh my God. Why are you blinking? Why are you because blinking? Because you whenever I'm somebody blinks like, like
1: that, they finna lie. If you blink RC, like that, you finna lie. I'm just trying,
0: I'm trying, I'm trying to take a deep breath because you know. All right. So here's the thing, right? Yes, I did put that, but boy, you are just so messy. Oh my God, you're messy. I swear to God. I'm rubbing <laughs> off on you. I'm rubbing <laughs> off on you. But listen, guys. Uh, for ex- everything you said is what I was trying to make the comp in terms of Gilbert and Bilal. Because for Russ, I, I truly do like Russ so much in his, his playing style. And if i have insulted, I apologize. But here's the deal, Ryan. I was saying, you have a guy that is, has all this talent, just expre- extremely confident, so good at, at, at the game of basketball that he could lead a team to the NBA Finals and then once again back to the Conference Finals. Gilbert Burns is also extremely talented, long career, reached the mountaintop, got to the title against Kamaru Usman, and then back last Saturday was him in the conference finals again. How could he get over the hump? That's the point I was trying to make. I was just saying, like, don't be the guy that's out-of-worldly and then have a hiccup in the biggest moments. That was it. No disrespect Love Russ. And I can't believe you did that to me. It made me have maybe, to explain that.
1: Maybe choose, he, maybe choose a retired guy. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley it, it, it. got Oh, there I could have said Phoenix. Charles Barkley. He Dang it. I could have said Charles. Get a retired oh. dude, DC. You, because you, I, you 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 picked a guy who was just <laughs> gets beat up on, and people I attack just loved all the guy. It. I knew it. I knew it was coming. And i RC just they waited got me too, it. RC.
0: RC they got me. You know what's crazy, RC? I actually get mad at everybody for picking on Russ. I'm like, dude, just leave this man alone. And i go going to do the same dumb stuff. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed, <laughs> but I hope that my explanation makes you understand what I was trying to do. You know, what back the, to he, Gilbert Burns.
3: Wait,
1: okay, wait, one second. The funniest. I'm trying, part in, I'm trying to move on. I'm trying to move on. I'm trying. But here's the here's the funniest part, DC. Our yeah. own employer is the one that puts you on blast. Can you believe really, like that? Sports SportsCenter <laughs> did it, which made it hey, so man. much funnier than me.
0: That's <laughs> so disgusting, dog. Hey, let me tell you something, bro. When you sleep in the bed with a snake, you know? When you sleep in <laughs> bed with a snake, dog, that's ESPN. But I, get, I looked at that and I said, wow, they put Ooh. ESPN, ESPN, MMA, and Sports Center. I was like, so y'all just all collaborated to throw me <laughs> under the bus. Like, I mean, come on, man. That's crazy. Anyways. Back to Gilbert Burns, right? One, another comparison is that because Russell Westbrook is so great, he continues to get opportunities. That seems to be the case again with Gilbert Burns. Dana White goes and says this doesn't hurt him at all. He stepped up. He took the fight on short notice. Doesn't hurt him. What's next for El- what's next Doreno? Do you believe, Ryan, that that injury also played a part to being too active because how many fights can you have in the first half of the month? Can you really do 3 fights in that level of competition in that short period of time?
1: See, DC, you would have to answer that for me for this reason. Fighting is so much different than playing football. Though yeah. football is though football is physical, it's not hand-to-hand combat. It's not what you guys do. Mm-hmm. And you know, we backdoor that every single week. But yeah. if that was the way fighting was supposed to work, guys wouldn't take breaks after fights. Or Absolutely. We, we wouldn't applaud dudes or applaud champions or or boxers who are active enough to give you three or four fights a year. Think about that. If If a champion or a top-level fighter gives you three fights in one year, I mean, we want to put him in the Hall of Fame. We we think he's one of the toughest guys walking the face of the earth to get inside the octagon that many times in a year. And Gilbert Burns did that in a half of year. So, DC, as a former fighter and a two-division champ, do you think that Gilbert bit off a little more than he could chew taking a fight against a guy like Bilal Muhammad, who is such a high-level welterweight? Maybe if maybe if the fights were flipped, right? He fought Bilal first, then yeah. Neil or Jorge, it's different. Yes. But for Bilal to be the third of this mm. three fight kind of run of his, I think that's very difficult.
0: Yeah, very difficult. And I think that's probably so key that you got the best one of the bunch after that. But I remember 2015 RC, I fought three times. And by the time I walked out of that octagon in Houston, I fought Jones. Then I fought Rumble, and then I fought Gusterson. By wow. the time I walked out of that octagon in October, uh, Dana called me the week after, and I go, don't call me back, guys, till the summer. I, I need a break. I was so beat down emotionally. I was so beat down physically. I didn't fight again until the next July wow. because I needed time. After those types of fights, especially with the preparation and the type of competition that you're fighting, I thought Gilbert Burns might have found comfort in – the, the the Masvidal fight not being very difficult, so he felt fresh. But it's I don't think it's necessarily the time inside the octagon. It's all the things that builds to the fight night yeah. that you lose a lot of that like energy and that, that fatigue starts to build on the body and on the mind. You know, Teddy Atlas, bro, was at the uh, UFC the other day, and I love Teddy Atlas. I love to pick his brain. I love to be around Teddy Atlas when... I have time to get into the details of everything because Teddy likes to talk, right? He's one of those guys that likes to talk, bro. So when you're talking to Teddy, he will run you through stuff. But this dude has been on fire lately with picks and everything else. He said, Leon Edwards tonight will be 30% better. I was like, come on, let's see if Teddy has this right. Leon Edwards was better from the first fight to the second fight. Saturday, this dude is sitting next to Dana White as Jan Sheldon, is about the fight against Jessica Andrade. He told Dana something. Let's know what Dana had to say about Teddy Atlas. You know what's crazy is Teddy Atlas was sitting with me during that fight, and uh, Andrade kept throwing lead left hooks. And and he says, if she keeps – this girl throws great straight right hands. If she keeps throwing that lead left hook, she's going to knock her out with a straight right. He literally called exactly what was going to happen. And she threw, like, three hooks in a row – He literally called it two minutes before it happened because she kept throwing these lead left. He says, when people are sparring and they're throwing lead left hooks like that against somebody who can throw, I I literally jump in the ring and tell them to stop. And and I break up the whole sparring and and break it down. But he literally called that that was going to (laughs) happen. I mean, should we call him Mystic Teddy now? I mean, should we call this dude Mystic Teddy?
1: No, Teddy is crazy. (laughs) When we were talking before John and Cyril, he was running it down the same way. He was like, you know what? I wonder if he said the the problem is going to be <laughs> if the moment's too big for Cyril God. John's been oh. <laughs> in these fights his entire life. He just the dude just understands it. He 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 gets it. And when you watch Jessica Andrade, and this is an outsider's perspective, DC, and I'm and I'm going to be honest about that. Sometimes. You look at fighters, and they get so enamored with their toughness, with their strength, with their power, that they kind of abandon technique. I think it was Lauren Murphy, and we watched Jessica Andrade, bro, and she just gave it to her. There were wild Mm -hmm. hooks. It was wild exchanges. And she just basically overwhelmed her with physicality. You could see from the beginning that Jan was the purer striker. She was the more uh, detailed striker. She was jabbing her. She was using the straight rights. Everything was compact. And Jessica was like, you know what? I'm just going to overwhelm her. It was kind of how Muhammad Ali made fun of George Foreman before before they fought. And then all of a sudden, man, it was crisp. It was on time. And Jan knocks her out. And it's so crazy. Because it takes, it took me back to watching uh, Zhang Wei Lei knock out Joanna. Right, it, it was yep, a fight. Yep, it yep. was the 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 rematch after we saw an amazing fight, the fight before, and she ended it like this, just being precise, just being detailed. And so now, these two may be on a collision course. And you know, there's rumors that it will be done in China if it's made. Mm-hmm. What does a fight like that mean, DC? Oh, Ryan,
0: let me tell you something. I don't know if I don't want to go to China. I'm being honest <laughs> with you. I don't really want to go to China. Like I, I've been there before. I don't really want to go to China. I don't. I don't really like the food that much because it's not Chinese food like we have. You know, bro. We kind of simple minded, but I, I want Chinese yeah, I food. Want, they hey, might you bring you
1: want orange chicken. I oh, want
0: chicken. I ordered chicken in China, me and King Mo. Me and King Mo ordered chicken in China. They came and, and they had, gave it to us in a bucket and they had the claws kind of like the claws were sticking out of the bucket. Me and, Mo, hey bro, me and Mo got up and left. We left the chicken on the table. DC. We went back to all the time. Hey, all right,
4: hey, right, you would eat
1: it. DC, we, you know what I'm talking about when I say we, we like chicken. I'm not eating no chicken with the claws on it, though, dog. I <laughs> see the the claws were sticking
0: out of the bucket. Me and Mo got up and just left it there. Dog. we left it on the table. I said, "Man, I'm not eating this, man, dog." So, so I'm not really trying to go to China, the point. But I'm going to watch Yan Xiaolong fight Zhang Wei Li, bro, dog. There are over 1.4 billion people in China. They could put this fight in the stadium over there, and they yeah. would sell it out to watch these two women fight. And this version of Yan Xiaonan that we saw last weekend would seem to be the biggest threat to Zhang Weili. We have asked time and time again, who can beat Zhang Li? Well, it seems like you did not have to go far to find someone that could compete with her because there was a Chinese woman, just as she is, that has the skills, Has the ability, has the experience, and has all those tools that could make for a great fight. But Ryan, this potentially could be the greatest strawweight fight in terms of build that we have ever seen. And I will tell you this, I think there's a China date on the UFC schedule. I don't know exactly when that date is, but I think there's a China date on the UFC schedule, and I can't imagine that it would not include be. Yan Xiaonan versus Zhang Wei Li for the strawweight championship of the world. But, all right, see, I probably got to bring my own food with me. I'm bringing noodles. Hey, I'm going to pack a whole suitcase of food for the time that I've been trying.
1: To hey, hey, <laughs> hey, DC, you know what? You don't need to pack anything because if you want to keep this physique looking like The Rock, then you may have to just take a little bit off and eat some of that chicken or maybe just not (laughs) eat it all, DC. How about that? Maybe you just don't eat it all. Just try that. (laughs) Hey, DC, one of our our favorite segments and favorite guests is DC, RC, and MC. And Michael Chandler, who we both love, spoke recently about his upcoming quote-unquote fight with Conor McGregor he's one of the only guys that we've seen in this sport who really doesn't have to keep fighting. You know, when it comes to like, Hey, this guy doesn't need to keep fighting. He's got enough money. He's got enough fame. He's got enough, whatever. Um, So of course there's that extra caveat, but I think, and I've said this in the past, I think Connor to his core really is romantic about the, the combat sports or the sport of mixed martial arts. He really is. He loves it. I think he's coming back. It sure would be a uh, huge stain on his legacy uh, leading everybody down a road, making people think that he's coming back and then kind of chickening out at the very end and only doing it for, for the publicity. That to me screams insecurity and trying to stay relevant rather than seeing through
3: your commitment.
0: Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
2: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Robert Half research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty
3: hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: DC, do you <laughs> yeah. do you agree with Michael Chandler that if he doesn't come back to the UFC and fight him if Connor doesn't come back to the UFC and fight Michael Chandler, it tarnishes, tarnishes his legacy.
0: Uh, bro, I gotta be honest with you, man. Like, I'm not one of those guys that's like, what have you done for me lately? I don't think a legacy should be tarnished due to something you did not do that could only add to it, right? Legacy is already done. Like, Ryan, you, you won a Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. If you never won another Super Bowl, you won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Conor McGregor was the UFC champion. Conor McGregor was the UFC double champion. Conor McGregor is the most popular fighter the UFC has ever seen. None of that will ever change. So I don't agree in that sense that it hurts his legacy because coming back and fighting Michael Chandler can only add to it to only add to a legacy that is already cemented. What I do believe, though, is that if he doesn't come back after doing the Ultimate Fighter, after always being around the fights, it would just seem like he just doesn't want to do it anymore. And I would suggest that we kind of let him go. That's where I would feel we would go as fans and people that cover Conor McGregor. Is that if he doesn't want to fight, then he doesn't want to fight. We can't force him into doing this thing anymore. But I don't think that legacy ever changes once you've accomplished it.
1: I think... If we're being honest with ourselves, Conor McGregor's legacy is going to be 100% solely based on who he was at his peak. It's going to be based on the 13 seconds inside the octagon with Jose Aldo, the two fights with Nathan Diaz, the, the double championship one over Eddie Alvarez. Like, that's where... Connor's legacy is gonna come from. Connor crossing over and fighting the greatest boxer of our era, Floyd Mayweather. Like that's that's who Connor is. The the, the rest of this, I feel like, like you're saying we gotta let Connor go. I feel like we kind of have, DC, because we had to let that Connor go, right? The the, the Connor mm. that comes back to fight Habib Namorga Medov, which I still feel, and you may disagree which I still feel is an underrated Conor fight because Conor went four rounds with Habib when it was a time where nobody else ever did that again. you know. And so I think that Conor McGregor at his height and at his peak was and is going to be from now until forever, because I can't see it changing, the most famous, popular, and biggest star the UFC will ever see. And I don't think not coming back to fight Michael Chandler ever changes that.
0: No, I don't think it changes it. And I also think that, honestly, even him and Mike doing The Ultimate Fighter will elevate Michael Chandler to a level that he's never been before because as we have talked about, Ryan, time and time again, The Ultimate Fighter generally is on ESPN Plus or something else. This one is linear. It's on cable television every single week, and it's only there for one reason, because people will tune in to watch Conor McGregor. That's why his second Netflix special got green-lighted right away, and it's making its debut uh, later on in the month. But, Ryan, last week... Um, I was trying to get a little more popular doing some of that RC stuff, right? I was on Get Up, (laughs) one of your shows. I was on First Take, another show you frequent. And I was also on This Just End. But on First Take, they asked me, DC, give me your Mount Rushmore of mixed martial arts. And I thought that I did a fantastic job. Take a look. At one, I'm going with Hoist Gracie. He was the guy that won the open weight competition. He beat everybody. He was the one that put the sport on the map. At number two, I'm going with the Iceman, Chuck Liddell, because Chuck Liddell was what? the face of the UFC for a really oh, long time. Stop it. And if you knew fighting, you knew Chuck Liddell. At number three, Mr. Smith, I got George Rush St. Pierre. Georgia oh is number three. Oh and you know where this is going, Stephen A. You know There is going to be an, uh, one person that is not on the list that you're going to lose your mind. And you're going to say that I'm harboring bad emotions. When yes! in reality, I'm just giving you my list. And that's number four, <laughs> Mr. Smith. I'm going with the Eagle of Dagestan, Habib Nurmagomedov, because oh there's only one my guy. God. Hey, Stephen A., there's oh only one God. guy oh, in the sport. Oh there's... There's only one guy in the sport <laughs> that has gotten out undefeated. It's a B. You don't have John Bones Jones you see, on you your see, list. You see? You see, Are you I'm just, crazy? You see, Are you, I,
3: I, just, I'm all that. John Bones Jones ain't on a list
1: top four so all bad. time. John mm.
3: Bones Jones is mm. not on your list.
0: So, so, yeah, a, I, RC,
1: I, I, you don't like it, RC? Uh, you don't like it? DC, like your list doesn't stink, right? Because You have so much MMA knowledge that I believe all of your picks were well thought out. I've also known you long enough to know that once anyone cheats or is caught cheating or is thought to be cheating, they automatically are erased from the conversation of being one of the greats for you. And so in that, I get your list. As much as that is your list, my list starts with John Jones, D.C. Wait,
0: wait, 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 R.C., wait, wait. Before you give your list, I want to say something. Let me say this real quick before you give your list because I just need you to understand what Mount Rushmore is because nobody's saying give me your four greatest MMA fighters of all time. They said give me your Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, home to Jefferson, Lincoln, Washington, and Roosevelt. Are those the four greatest presidents we have ever had in United States history? No, they aren't the four greatest presidents we've ever had in United States history. That's why my list did not just consist of the greatest fighters. I'm talking guys that meant something to the sport. I'm talking guys that literally transitioned the eras into mixed martial arts
1: where we are today. So now, Ryan, I will take your list. So, so, you're basically saying, okay, these guys mattered, or these guys had a large impact on each era. I like that, DC. So, for me, I'm gonna go John Jones at number one. I think mm-hmm. being the, the youngest champion, what he was able to do. And if you look at the list of greats that John Jones beat, even before the trouble of the uh, positive test, it was just a murderous row of MMA greats that yep. many of could have been on any Mount Rushmore or top five of UFC and mixed martial arts great. At number two, I'm going to go on oh, no, my other guy because it's not really a list like that. I say Fedor, I mean, uh, I can't say his last name. I messed it up. Amelia A million ankle.
0: <laughs> Amelia yeah. Um
1: Fedor was the first mixed martial artist I was introduced to outside of what I could see at the UFC. And I know you're going to be like, oh, it's your guy. Troy loved Fedor. I think it was both (laughs) probably because they were both pudgy and they excelled (laughs) at their sport. But what Fedor was, his reign as one of the best and greatest ever, his ability to be stone-faced and stand in the Mm. pocket, submit, strike with, men larger, men smaller, men quicker. I just think he transcended what the sport was at that time. Another guy for me is Anderson Silva. I don't know, I don't know how you make a, a, a Mount Rushmore of yeah, mixed yeah. martial arts. I think people forget Anderson was in his mid 30s when we got to know him in the UFC. And so was, there was this yes. this long career before he became the champion here. And then what he was able to do, jumping up to 205 and fighting the Forrest Griffiths and just truly being a cut above, like, and it it said it in, somebody said it in his Hall of Fame video, the sport is now evolving and the athletes are evolving. Anderson Silva was evolved when when he came here. And my last guy is Daniel Cormier. I think (laughs) what, what you were able to do starting your mixed martial arts career late, and to, and I say this actually lovingly, to be like, man, you can be the good dude. You could be the dude that cares about people, the dude that's funny, the dude that's great to be around, the guy who made my daughter get me on the UFC floor for the (laughs) first time ever in my life just to meet him and also be a straight killer and be in there with the greatest heavyweight of all time, Steve Miocic, and win go toe-to-toe with John Jones, beat Rumble, beat the Black Beast, beat um, Gustafsson, just all those things, I think you deserve to be there. And now what you're doing for the sport post-career. So that's my Mount Rushmore of mixed martial artists.
0: RC, I appreciate you putting me on there, my brother. I really do. It means a lot to me. Um, I I really believe, honestly, RC, also, if I would have stopped after the first Stipe fight or Derek Lewis, I would be unquestioned in terms of where people view me because you wouldn't have saw the last two Stipe fights when I was an old man. I have no problem with your list. Jones, Fedor, Anderson. Dude, here's the, here's the thing, Ryan. Jones and Anderson, and I even acknowledge this on first take. I said, I appreciate the greatness of John Jones. I feel like for all that him and I have been through, I am more than fair in the way that I view him and the way that I critique or how I analyze him. I'm more than fair. And as with Anderson, Fedor, I love. At one point, he was 31 and one, bro. (laughs) He was 31 and (laughs) one. That's crazy to have a record like that in mixed martial arts. I appreciate your list. I think it's a fantastic list. I do believe that, as I said, I put guys on there in terms of. how they have helped the sport go forward because none of us are here today. None of us are here today without Hoyce Gracie. And you know none what? of us are here today without Chuck Liddell.
1: I agree. You know what else, though? In the way that you did your list, if I do the list that way, Conor McGregor is on the Mount Rushmore of mixed Absolutely. martial artists.
0: And that's one that I probably missed. That's one that I probably missed in that regard, right? But I wanted to get Habib on there because he was undefeated. Yep. Nobody gets out undefeated. And I think right. that is something truly special. RC, it's time to step fly, dog. Yes, sir. It's time for your segment of the show. <laughs> RC, you got it. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Jake, let's step fly, baby. <laughs> oh, it's DC, oh, you me. Hey, you when me. you went to New York, DC, you pulled the suit out of the back of the closet. This yeah, was UFC champion DC yeah, up there it. with Ryan Smith on first take. Um, this wasn't, I got to sit next to Joe Rogan and John Anik yeah. all night. Tell us a little bit about your ensemble, DC. It's a little, it's, it's a
0: little <laughs> nice suit. You know, it's nothing real big. I'm not like you, you know. It's not going to be super tight and fitted like that. I got to keep it good, you know. I just, the ARC, I have a little, 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 like, little little uh, window pane on it. It's something yeah. nice. It's a little something different. A little step up for the big
1: shows. And I thought it, it thought it played pretty good. You know what I'm saying? We froze. Man, hey. You looked amazing, man. You looked amazing. Thank you, my hey, man. Brother. You know what time it is, bro. It's time to tap in Let's and go. tap out. Let's
0: go. All
3: right, guys. Following a big win over Drew Dober, Matt Frivola took the mic and called out the currently injured and unranked Patty Pimblett. Fravola is now ranked 14th in the lightweight division. RC, tap in or tap out on Frivola's call out of Patty?
1: Well, I tap in on it because I expect him to win the fight. And that's exactly (laughs) why what he does as well. And if you're going to fight somebody, if you're at 14, and you're kind of like teeter-tottering on putting yourself in contention to be in the top 10, why not get one last fight against Patty Pimlet because people are going to want to see it. You believe he can't fight after what you saw in his last fight, and it makes total sense to me.
0: I tap in. I tap in on Matt Frivola, Actually, uh calling out Paddy Pimlet because uh, it's the, probably the biggest fight that he can get in terms of name recognition. Yeah, I tapped all the way in. And I think it was very smart of Matt Favola because obviously he thinks he can win the fight, but also it's the biggest name that he can get because there are a lot of guys ahead of him, R.C., that while they might might move you closer to the top of the rankings, they don't bring That's the, the yeah. eyes that Paddy Pimlet brings.
3: This weekend, Jaelton Almeida gets a main event shot against top 10 contender Jarzinho Rosenstruck. With four finishes in his first four UFC fights, DC tap in or tap out, Almeida becomes a top heavyweight contender with his fifth straight win.
0: Yeah, you know, Jailton Almeida right now is number 12, and Jarzinho Rosenstruck has kind of found himself in a w- bit of a weird position where he's good enough to beat most, but he's lost at the very top of the division. This seems like the logical next step for Jaelton in – pursuit of true heavyweight relevancy. This guy is only about 225 pounds. He knows that he can make 205, but feels like the path is much quicker at heavyweight. And that is why he's staying up. And that is why he is fighting against uh, Jorginho Strike from Charlotte this weekend.
1: Now, the one thing about, I, I tap in, the one thing about Almeida is he also wins in very, like, dynamic fashion, which is something that we love and the thing we remember most about Rosenstrike is the brutal knockout to the hands at the hands of Francis Ngannou and so he is kind of become that gatekeeper of I can beat most of these dudes but I'm not at the top so in order to get your title shot in order to get into contention you gotta beat somebody like me and I think that's what this fight will say
3: I got last one UFC fighter Ilya Taporia was asked by a random fan to put on a boxing glove, square up, and hit him right in the liver. Yes. RC, tap in or tap out on asking what? a professional fighter for an unblocked liver shot.
1: Bro, professional fighters get knocked out by liver shots. Dudes who are paid and trained to take these punches. So you going to pay one or ask one to do it for the free ski? Man, hell no. I don't get what the fans' fascination is with doing stupid stuff. But this is stupid. He didn't even – but he didn't even freeze him. So Ilya didn't even
0: hit him that hard. If Ilya would have hit him with all of himself, right, Turn into that body shot, there's no way that that guy would stay standing. Ryan, I don't know why people do this, though. They're always like, hit me, do this, do this. I'm like, yo, I'm not hitting you because if you decide you're trying to sue me afterwards – There's nothing I can do to stop you, but Ilya hit him with the body shot, but he didn't get him clean, Ryan, because when a guy takes a real good body shot, a clean body shot the right way, it's a bit of a delayed reaction. They try to step back, and that liver shuts down. But watch Taportia. He, Ilya got a nice suit on too. He got him a nice suit. He doesn't dip. Look, he he give him a, ooh, he gave him a little bit, but he didn't give him all of it, Ryan. Look at that. That dude gonna go back and tell his friends, man. I got hit by a UFC fighter, and
1: I'm good. Oh no, look. No, that hurt DC. DC, that hurt it. And, and if you look at him, he gave DC, he gave a little bit with it, right? Like he didn't, he didn't really stay right into it. Listen, man, that, that was it for tap in or tap out. DC, you mentioned it early on in the show. We had an opportunity to sit down with The Rock on the pivot. It was released today. But everybody sees this megastar. Everybody sees this dude that's making all of the big yep. Hollywood bucks. We asked him a little bit about what wrestling was like at the start for him. And you would actually be surprised at what The Rock said that first paycheck looked like.
4: My first paycheck, well, in wrestling, my first paycheck was 40 bucks, <clears throat> And up. that's what our guarantee. Wait, 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 wait. $40? <laughs> to do what? Yeah, yeah, to wrestle. So this was before WWE. So, as you're starting out, I, I, of course, wasn't ready for WWE. And so I started, I made my bones down in, down in Tennessee. Yeah. There's a wrestling company down there. It was called the USWA Famous. Everybody came through there. Jerry the King Lawler. Everybody yeah. who became somebody went through there. And that's where you, uh, you made your bones and you cut your teeth. The guarantee every night was $40. bucks. Wherever did not matter where you're at on the card. That was your guarantee. And how did you make additional money? Oh, additional money, we, we, we'd, <laughs> the word gimmick again, you made additional money by when there was the um, intermission, we'd go to what's called the gimmick table. And so we would have pick. We'd have our Polaroids, so if we were wrestling on the card, and say we already wrestled for the night, you get your 40 bucks, that's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. We could stay till intermission, the four of us as wrestlers would go out to the gimmick table, and we'd have our Polaroids, and anyone who wanted to take a Polaroid with you, You'd sign it, five bucks. Take it, five bucks. Sign it, 10 bucks. So that's how we made our additional money. So on good night, I could make maybe 80 bucks.
1: Wow. <laughs> D- DC, one, I can't imagine you ever doing anything for what would be a good night and make 80 <laughs> bucks. But when you hear someone like The Rock, someone who's now made it to the level that he is talk about what it was like at the start. It really puts you on to what some of these dudes have to do to grind and get where they are being someone that loves the WWE. What do you think when you hear that clip?
0: You just appreciate those guys for the journey a little bit more because you know, right? Like, you know, I, I've been to some of those fight, uh, those matches when I was a kid in Louisiana at the Blackham Coliseum and, and places like that where we were on folding chairs watching these guys wrestle and do crazy things for no money. So it makes you appreciate the journey. And it's really interesting because you look at a guy like The Rock be a megastar today with boatloads of money and know that he came from that same humble beginning as not only you or me, but most people in the world, right? So it's all in the value of the experience. So whether you're a millionaire today, a professional athlete, or someone that's just making a living day to day, share the same type of story as most of us because we all did something at a point in our lives where we were just trying to survive. And that's what I take from the rock rock's an inspirational guy, man. He really is because he had to go, go through a lot of failures to get to where he is today. And just a sweetheart of a man, RC, uh, when my father passed, he sent me a message, you know, like he just always is a good dude, man, that, that really does care about people.
1: Well, DC, I'm gonna say this. His body is a little bit better than yours, but (laughs) hey, you still my guy. Hey, bro, say pause, Ryan. Say pause, like Aljamain Sterling. Aljo
0: always says some like inappropriate stuff, then he goes pause.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm not gonna do that. We don't have to do that, but bro, this was a great show. 288 was the bomb. We got to see Harry Cejudo. Back in action. Now we're moving forward into this year. I don't know if we're gonna see Gilbert Burns fight sixteen more times. But I'm (laughs) RC. That is DC. DC, you bring us home because I am done for the day. I did a show with you and the rock in one day. I mean, what else can I ask for?
0: You're done. There's nothing more you could do. Guys, it's on the UFC 289. The GOAT, Amanda Nunez, returns RC. Maybe I'll see you down in Canada. Guys, until next time, ESPN2, Midnight Eastern, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. I'm DC, that's RC, and we out.